Good morning, ladies. I love getting my kids involved in praying too. Before I speak, I always ask my kids, can you pray for me? And I just love the little prayers that they come up with. They'll be like, thank you, Lord, for mommy, that she won't be too scared and that she'll have fun. And it's just so sweet. And it just really blesses my heart. And, you know, kids are anointed. They are anointed with the word of God inside of them. And we need to be drawing that out of them and drawing the confidence into them that they can hear from God and they have the power to pray for people. Anyways. Just thought I'd add that little tidbit in there. It's an honor to share with you ladies this morning. And it's just such an honor to serve our Father. No matter what capacity that we serve him in, whether we're speaking, whether we're preparing in the kitchen, getting name tags ready, setting the table, providing the tech, no matter what we do, whether you're the person who tithes on Sunday to help, you know, cover the cost of this of having Divine Weekly, these facilities, whatever it is, it is an honor and it's a privilege to be partnering with our Father. And when we do those things out of that revelation, it just becomes a joy to serve our Father, no matter what you do. That's the heart that he calls for his daughters because he says that he'll never ask us to do something without blessing you. We don't do it for the blessing, but we don't want to be ignorant that there is a blessing in serving our Father. So I just encourage you just always to keep your heart open as to where God is guiding you and leading you in his service because he has something for you to do for him. Just like what Jen shared, he had something that he wanted Jen to do in that moment. And look at the results of that, the blessing for her and her son to hear that testimony. That's so awesome. Um, we've really enjoyed the last few weeks learning about the nine gifts of the Spirit, which Paul shares with us in 1 Corinthians 12. And we've sl- split them up into three categories so that we can um, teach on each of the characteristics and the, um, what happens in, with these gifts of the Spirit. Um, I really like what Rachel said. that She says, if we don't understand or have knowledge of the gifts, we greatly miss on the benefits of the gifts. And those people around us miss out on the benefits of those gifts. And Paul said that he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the gifts. That's why we took three weeks to share on them so that we can get to know what these gifts are. I just wanted us to just quickly go over um, these gifts before we move on to the fruit of the Spirit. Um, The first group that Rachel taught on was the discerning gifts. Um, These gifts include the word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, and the word of wisdom. These are the gifts that reveal something. There's going to be a screen that's going to come up there that will show you these gifts. Um, When we operate in these gifts, the discerning gifts, we are powered to discern or perceive certain truths that can help another person. And then Dot moved on two weeks ago on the declarative gifts. These are the supernatural download of information to the mind. They allow us to know something that you didn't learn by natural means. So these are the gifts that say something. And they require us to step out in faith, just like this morning Dot um, In those gifts is the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of prophecy. Just as Dot uh, shared with us this morning, God gave her a word, and it was a prophetic word for us as his daughters here. And as she shared that first sentence, I loved her illustration of the box of Kleenex. As you pull out one Kleenex, as you say the one thought, the next one just flows out, and it flows out. And that's true to the gifts of the Spirit. We need to step out of faith. He doesn't often download everything at one time, but he gives you something. But we're called to walk a life of 
faith and trust in our Father. That if he gave you that one word, the rest will flow out as you step out in faith and obedience to his word. And then last week, Rebecca shared on the dynamic gifts or the power gifts. These are the gifts of faith, the gifts of healing, and working of miracles. So these are the gifts that do something. These are the gifts that display the power of God. And I liked how Rebecca reminded us that sometimes when you're looking at these gifts, we can become overwhelmed, we can become timid, maybe lack confidence in it. But God always calls us to come to him like little children, just to go by his side, be filled with him, and he will deposit these gifts inside of you to operate in it. Remembering that it's not you who's doing it. He's doing it through you. He just needs a vessel that will say, Lord, fill me. Deposit these gifts inside of me, and I will be faithful for you to work through me and take the pressure off myself. So these are gifts that are available to all believers. That's everyone. And Paul encourages us over and over again. If you're reading 1 Corinthians, he's saying it over and over again to earnestly desire these gifts, to stir them up, to seek these gifts. He's given us a green light to pursue them. He's saying this isn't a time to be timid. This isn't a time to pull back. He's saying that you need to seek them. There's an active part on you on you, to seek out these gifts, to learn about them, to know what they are, and to go for it. He said they're for all believers. And these gifts aren't just given to us. They're not something that, these are gifts that God gives to us. We don't earn them. It's not something that we go and try. He, he gives them to us. It's a gift. Um, on your birthday, people don't give gifts to you because you've earned them. They give them to you because they want to bless you. God gives us the gifts to bless us and those around us. And Paul goes on to say that they are for the profit of all, that they will bless and impact those people that are around you. But now we're going to move on to the fruit of the Spirit. And fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are very different. The gifts of the Spirit, like I said, are something that God gives you. God doesn't give you the fruit of the Spirit. He develops it inside of you. He doesn't impart fruit into your life. He will impart gifts to you, but he doesn't impart fruit. There's a growing process with the gifts of the Spirit. And there's a lot of wisdom in the title alone, the the fruit of the spirit. Notice how it doesn't say the fruit of Ellie or the fruit of Cherry or the fruit of Tammy. It says the fruit of the spirit, which means it needs to be produced by the spirit. We cannot develop these qualities in ourselves. Rather, the Holy Spirit produces them in us as we are obedient to him. But we can do the work of turning our attention to him and partner with him to make the soil in our lives healthy and ripe for the harvest. It's, it's, if we want to see God's results in our life, we have to do it God's way. Often we want to see God's results in our life, but we're not willing to do it God's way. We're trying to do it our way. But if we could connect and do it God's way, then you will produce the fruit in your life. You will produce the results in your life. And when you gave your life to Jesus, all the fruit of the Spirit was planted inside you in seed form. Let's take a look at Galatians 5:22 to verse 23. It says, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So after Paul discusses the works in the flesh previously in, in chapter 5, verse 19, he now begins to elaborate on the fruit that the, that the Holy Spirit produces in a believer's life. Just as Paul previously described the works of the flesh, now he tells us what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. The flesh produces works. The word um, works here is from the Greek word ergos, which means it implies hard work. It implies labor on our part. And the word flesh used in Galatians 5.19 is from the Greek word sarks, which is mostly used in Paul's epistles to portray sinful impulse or carnal cravings. So when Paul uses the works of the flesh, it's to give you the idea that the flesh has its own mind and desires. And if a believer doesn't crucify the flesh or keep it under control, it'll eventually manifest those desires. So in other words, the flesh will go to work for you if you allow it to. Our flesh will cry out to try to be in charge. It demands to be the boss. If we turn to Galatians 5.16, Paul describes the struggle of it right here. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not to carry, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So Paul here is describing that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, but you're also living with the flesh. And this is where the tug of war begins. And the way we overcome our flesh is not by fighting our flesh, but it's surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It's not suppressing, it's not trying to suppress our sinful desires, rather it's yielding to the Holy Spirit. We are not fighting our sin or fighting our flesh. We're we're doing everything at all costs to cling to the Holy Spirit in our life. D.L. Moody was once teaching in university, and he asked his students, he had a glass there, and he asked them, how do you get the air out of the glass? And they all started brainstorming, coming up with different ideas of how to get the air of the glass, suction it out, break the glass. They were all coming up with these different ideas, but D.L. Moody told them there's one way to get the air of the glass, and that's to fill it with water. And the only way we can overcome sinful tendencies is to walk in the spirit and then you will not be you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh that's galatians 5:16 our relationship with the holy spirit is the answer to overcome the flesh and the sinful desires in our life discipline is good rules and requirements they're good they help but the only thing that can really change that nature is the intimacy that we have with the holy spirit Something happens when you begin to be aware of the Holy Spirit in your life. You begin to change. You have a natural desire to be holy. When your goal is no longer to be holy, but to be close to the one who is holy, you become holy. As we can become closer to the Holy Spirit, the side effect will become holiness. You don't seek holiness. You seek the Holy Spirit and holiness will become natural. Now, I'm talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit and not just a relationship. A relationship is something that God gave us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. 
He's always with us. But I'm talking about moving deeper to a place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It's when you and him become close, when you become closer. What intimacy, what intimacy does is that it is when the Holy Spirit who lives inside you becomes real. He starts becoming a person. And we know he is here, and we know he lives in our lives, but with the busiest of life, we get distracted. We know the Holy Spirit is, is with inside us. The Word of God tells us. But as we do life, as we're with our kids, as we're in our jobs, we become, we become distracted. But when we become intimate with the Holy Spirit in those moments, we suddenly become aware an example is if, if you're driving and, you know, maybe you're not really fully paying attention to how fast you're going or to all the things around you. And then all of a sudden, you see a police car. Your awareness completely changes. Now you know to the button exactly how fast you're going. You know exactly everything that's around you. Your awareness now became sharp because of the awareness. And I was even thinking with my kids once, they were playing in the bedroom together and, and they thought I was downstairs doing something, but I was in the bedroom next door just folding laundry and I can hear everything that they were doing. And then suddenly and I'm hearing them say things that I know that they shouldn't be saying to one another. They're maybe treating each other the way they're not supposed to. And then just by stepping over and then they see me, the awareness of them seeing me made, oh, oh, now they have, okay, no, they realize that they shouldn't have been saying those things just by the awareness. I was always there. They just didn't know it. When we become aware of the holy that's inside us, when we become aware of the Holy Spirit that's there with you always, it's not a conviction of condemnation. It just calls you up. It, it causes you to begin to act right, to begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in love, to walk in kindness, not because you're trying, but because you've just been in the presence of the Holy One. And it's a rub off. It's an anointing that comes on you to act right. So we need moments to just get intimate and aware of him. It's only intimacy that throws us out of the realm of the flesh into the realm of the spirit. Intimacy causes you to change and your sensitivity to things that are wrong and ungodly. You just begin to feel like, man, I can't do that or this isn't right. And it's because you've just been intimate with the Holy Spirit. When you're intimate and you're not just living by faith, I mean, because when you're just living by faith and you just get into the routine, your senses become dull. And when your senses become dull, you become a prey to the flesh. Sometimes we just need to change up our schedule, change up our routine. It's good to have a routine of this is when I read my Bible or this is when I pray. But sometimes we need just to change up the routine, change it from morning to night, linger in prayer a little longer. Um, if you're always in your bedroom, maybe find, go outside, get into nature, just something to change it up so that you can just be in the presence of the Holy Spirit and be there longer until now you begin to start feeling his presence inside you. You begin to feel the washing of his presence over you. Earlier this week, I was just praying and just spending time in the word and I was just getting ready to get ready. And then as I was worshiping God there was some worship music and I was just praying I just begin to just feel his presence so strong and it just dropped me to my knees and I just began to weep. I just I couldn't his 
he was always there with me beforehand, even though I was about doing stuff. He was always there. He never moved. But because I set some time aside just to spend that time with him, his awareness became so real to me. And in those moments, your heart changes. He fills you. He equips you. And that's when the fruit of the Spirit starts producing in your life. Not because you've tried, but because you've been with the Holy One. You've been in his presence. And it causes you to act different. The next day, the day after, that anointing that was upon you when you spent those moments with the Holy Spirit is present. But you know what? After a week or two, that feeling, that presence, it starts drawing away, which is why we need to continually be in the presence of God. One moment isn't going to carry you to the next month. The next week you need to get refreshed, re-stir it up. But you know what, as we, the reason why I love praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, is because it stirs up the anointed again inside me. In those moments when I have those deep moments with the Holy Spirit, as I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, it stirs up that anointing. It stirs up that passion for the Holy Spirit, which is something that I cling to. I just it's a blessing for us as believers. Paul says that it is a blessing to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you become sensitive, and when your sensitivities become sharp, and then you say something that you shouldn't have, right away you just want to go and apologize. People will start noticing that there's something different about you. Last summer, I remember I was in a situation where something happened with a friend, and I just I got so frustrated. I felt really hurt and angry over the situation. And we kind of had left it like that, but I was really angry. I was hurt. And you know when you're hurt and upset over a situation, you just continually play the reel of offense. You go play it over and over, like seriously, over and over in your mind. And you just keep making yourself feel like, yeah, like I was wronged in this. Oh yeah, this wasn't right. You play it over and over. But you know what? As you get before the Holy Spirit, he's so awesome. I was just driving one day, and I was still thinking about this situation. And I bet I was just talking to Holy Spirit, pray with him and about, about it. And all of a sudden, in a moment, this doesn't happen to me often, but in a moment, my heart just changed. All of a sudden, I wasn't upset anymore. I wasn't angry. I didn't work out the, the issue with the person. We didn't talk about it. They didn't apologize, nothing. It, but in that moment of spending time with the Holy Spirit, my heart changed. And I just felt completely forgiveness, complete forgiveness for this person. There was no more hardness of heart. And I could just go up to them afterwards and just apologize. It doesn't matter. When you start getting with the Holy Spirit, it no longer matters who's right or wrong. We get so caught up in the minute details and distracted that when you're finally able to step away from it, you realize this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who was right or who was wrong. It matters when we believe the best in one another. And that's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Love believes the best. And it doesn't matter whether that person's intentions were right or wrong. None of that matters anymore. We just are going to believe the best in people and play the role that we are called to play with the Holy Spirit. You will always be holy with the level of awareness of the holy that is in your life. 
And, you know, when you're married or you have close relationships with people, you're always going to run into conflict. You know, with my husband and I, sometimes we have disagreements. And again, the real of offense could play in your head who's right, who's wrong. But then as I'm praying about it, praying over situations, there's one time we were, we got heated and frustrated with each other and I was just getting ready. And then the Holy Spirit just told me, go and give him a hug and tell him you love him. And initially in that moment, that was not what I wanted to do. I was like, (laughs) I don't want to do that. But you know what? I've come to know the voice of the Holy Spirit and to trust it. So as soon as I took it, initially I did not feel like it. But when I took that first step of obedience, it's the step of obedience. As I took that step and started making my way to walk towards my husband, my heart just filled with love. All of a sudden, again, the same thing. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It doesn't matter that he has to come and apologize to me first and confess his sins and tell me exactly where he was wrong. My heart was just filled with love. And I could generally go and walk up to him and give him a hug and kiss and tell him I love him. And it just diffuses the whole situation. Now, there are times that I've had to go and walk and give him a hug and kiss when I didn't feel like it. And there are times when you will have to do that. But when we train ourselves and when we develop that closer relationship with the Holy Spirit, when he becomes real in your life, when you become aware, this is how he changes the heart. You don't need to go through a 10-step process of how to resolve conflict or have to go through counseling. Those things are great, and sometimes we need those things. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is our counselor? He's the most high counselor. And if we can get ourselves before him, he's there to help us through these problems. And he's there to help show you how you can handle these issues so that you can walk through full of love, full of grace. Like any relationship, it takes time to build intimacy. It doesn't just happen. We have to seek it. We have to schedule it into our lives. But what happens then when the Holy Spirit quickens us he develops the fruit of the Spirit. It's the quickening that develops the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the character. We develop a new kind of behavior sense. Before we would become angry quick, and then now we become more patient. Before we wanted to control people, now we can be controlled. One of the fruit of the Spirit is not controlling people, it's controlling yourself. You will always know when the Holy Spirit is active in your life if you don't control your spouse, but you control your emotions. When you don't control your children, but you control your mouth. When you're, not, when you're running around trying to control the people around you, you're operating in the flesh. That's the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is fruit. It's not works. If you have to work on it, then it's flesh. When people say, I work on my character, that's flesh. You never see Jesus say to his disciples, come, let's work on your character right now. He always called them to follow him. He says, follow me, come be with me, come sit with me. He knew that when you get around Jesus, your character can't help but be changed by being around him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, 41 is an example that we all know very well, but I just want us to take a look at it because it's exactly what we're talking about here. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I like how Jesus said, or indeed only one. What, what Mary chose was what we should be choosing all the time. Get to the feet of Jesus. Jesus calls us to his feet. He says that this is the thing that is needed. Don't focus on your works. If you focus on me first, you get to my feet first, then the works will be, what you go out and do will be fruitful because you've been with me. It's cultivating a relationship with God so that he can work on the issues in your life. Our job is to yield. It's to yield to him as he works, to get before him. Now, another thing to point out here, it says the fruit of the Spirit, and then he names nine characteristics. You would think it should say fruits of the Spirit. But the word fruit here is derived from the Greek word karpos, and they specifically used it in the singular format, which means fruit. It means one fruit, not many fruits or different kinds of fruits. So Paul is not naming different kinds of fruits that the Spirit gives. Instead, he is describing the characteristics of that one fruit. So that means that the Holy Spirit works on all nine characteristics at the same time. You can develop one of them at your own expense to the other one, and that's called the works of the flesh. When you go and try to work on being more kind, when you go try work on being more self, operate out of more self-control. But the Holy Spirit doesn't develop self-control without kindness. He doesn't develop joy without long-suffering. You and I can't do that. Only he can do that. And have you noticed that all nine characteristics of the Holy Spirit are not actions? If you check the work of the flesh before, if you look before in those chapters, the work of the flesh, it's all actions. It's all our doing. It's murder, adultery, strife. It's all actions. But the fruit of the Spirit is all about attitude. The Holy Spirit is far more concerned about how you say things rather than what you say. He's always concerned more about your attitude than your actions. Because once he has your attitude right, your actions will follow suit. When you have a good attitude, you will act right. When he's developed the fruit of the Spirit in you, you will only produce those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And another note here to note is that the, the, whole, the fruit of the Spirit, it feeds those around us. That's why it's called fruit. When you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you because you are intimate with him, people around you will be fed. Your spouse will say, oh, she, she's awesome. Your kids will say, oh, I have such a great mom. I have such a great dad. Your church will say they are blessed to have you. Why do people say that? It's because people are being fed around you. They're partaking of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you know, one of the best ways that we can teach our kids about the fruit of the Spirit is to walk in it ourselves so that they can partake of it around you. They can see it. They can feed on it. That's the best way we can teach their, our kids on the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. I was just showing the scripture to my daughter this week and just asked her, so what do you think that means, that you need to try to be kind, that you need to try? Yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, I need to try to do those things. Do you see the mindset that our young ones are already developing, that they need to try to be kind? And as we grow up, we develop that same type of mindset. But it's not trying. 
Trying will only get you so far, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that will propel you into a whole new dimension of walking in the fruit of the Spirit. When, with gifts, you will impact, but with fruit, you will feed. If your character is not developed, then those around you will be hungry. This statement really popped out to me. Those around us will lack when we're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. They will not be fed. They will be hungry around us. The other thing is the fruit of the Spirit, it grows. Fruit starts off as sour and then it becomes sweet. This is the process that we go through and develop in the fruit of the Spirit. It's a process. For those who know me well, whenever I do things, I'm always trying to find the quickest way, the most efficient way of doing something. Not because I want to be lazy. I just want to be able to find the the most efficient way of doing it. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, there's no quick way. It's not like the gifts of the Spirit where you can pray and receive it. The fruit of the Spirit develops. It takes time. It takes an investment. It takes an investment on your part not to try to work to become these things, but your trying is getting before the Holy Spirit and then now have to walk out within relationships around you. When we pray for patience, have you ever noticed that God doesn't give you patience? He gives you opportunities to be patient. <laughs> he gives you traffic. He gives you children or spouses that you need to wait for. He gives you opportunities to walk out patience. When we pray for our families to be close, he doesn't just zap and say, be close. No, he gives us opportunities to love each other. At the beginning, you make mistakes and it takes time. The Holy Spirit will kind of show you and reluctantly you'll go back and apologize. But as you spend more time with him, he develops that character and then he catches you quicker. He catches you to the point where he can catch you before you speak it. And that's our goal that we want to get to. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. This mouth speaketh. What we say reveals what's in our heart. Our words locate us. It doesn't take long to sit beside someone for a while to understand where they're at because our words will always locate us. They show us where we're at. We need these experiences to develop the fruit of the Spirit. It's a process of growing just as fruit grows. We need to be around people. You need to be put in a situation to exercise patience, to exercise love. A great example of this is when David needed stones, he needed those smooth stones to fit in his sling to slay Goliath, he went down to the valley. And that signifies the the place of humility, the lowly place of humility. There in the brook, he found the kind of stones that he needed. And what made these, these stones smooth were two processes. The first one, it was the continuous water flowing over them. And second, it was the continual jostling with one another, the stones jostling against each other. And that is a picture of how Christian character is formed. First, there's a continually washing by the water of the word, by the washing of our time with the Holy Spirit. And second, and this is the part that we need, as the stones jostle one another in personal relationships, the word and our time with the Holy Spirit, the rough edges begin to be worn down until they become smooth. You can't operate in the gifts of this, in the fruit of the Spirit until you've been in relationships, until you've been around people, until you've had to finally be able to stop fighting like those rocks fighting, stop fighting the flesh, but rather surrendering. 
not trying to get your way in every situation where now you could step back and present the fruit of the Spirit in situations whereas you would get upset, you would get frustrated where you couldn't handle the situation. That's what happens when we... Um, that's why we need those connections and relationships to now begin to walk out the fruit of the Spirit so that people can eat around us. And when Jesus needs living stones for his sling, he too goes to the valley, the place of humility. There he chooses stones that have been made smooth by the Holy Spirit and by the pressures of regular fellowship with one another. It is a mark of true spiritual maturity to sincerely love each other not simply for who we are in ourselves, but for who they mean to Jesus, who shed his blood for them. It's humbling ourselves before our Father and letting go of our efforts, our trying, our works of the flesh, and being filled and equipped with him so that we can go out and do life with others, so that we can walk in the fruit and the Spirit. Humility is not a fruit of the Spirit, it's the root of the Spirit. Humility is the soil for grace to grow. Pride is the soil that sin grows in. You won't experience grace without humility. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. God is in the humble-making business, which is why he sends us to wildernesses, which is why when he filled Jesus with the Holy Spirit, he was sent to a wilderness. We need to, we need to be put in situations that we have to trust our Father, that it can no longer be about us, but it has to be about him. That's how we'll be known. It's by our fruits. If we were never put in situations where we needed fruit, then the fruit of the Spirit would be useless in our life. There has to be something that causes us to stand out from non-believers. And that's the fruit in our life. Why is that person always kind when somebody's being rude to them? Why is that person not losing their temper in a situation that they should have easily lost their temper? Why do you always experience joy and peace around that person? The Bible says that we will be known by our fruit. And we ought to be known by our fruit. We ought to stand out in a crowd of non-believers because of the fruit of the Spirit that we should be producing and feeding others around us. They should be fed by this. Kindness when they didn't deserve kindness. Patience when they didn't deserve patience. That needs to be developed inside us. That's the character that the Holy Spirit wants to develop inside you when you get around him when you get in his presence and you become aware of the holy that is always there, always there inside of you. I want to close with this scripture here, which combines the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It shows here that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and he needed power to go about and accomplish his assignment here on earth. When we combine the, gift, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then we can be transformed and molded into the kind of person that God wants us to become, sanctified and fully equipped just as Jesus was here on earth. Let's just take a moment to pray and then we'll go into our quiet time. Thank you, Heavenly Father, 
for the Holy Spirit that is present and active in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your word that you brought to us this morning, Lord. We thank you for ears to hear, Father, and hearts to be changed and transformed, Lord. I thank you for the personal relationship that you have blessed us with with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as his, as his daughters that we will partake of this intimacy that we that is made available to us through the relationship of the Holy Spirit on earth. We thank you, Father, for the fruit of spending time in the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you for the blessing of spending time with the Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. We just thank you right now as we take a few moments of silence, Father, just to minister to us, to speak to us, to flood our hearts, Father, with you and your holiness and your love and kindness towards us, Father. I thank you that you are a faithful God, and as we seek you and press into you, Father, that you are just going to fill us to capacity, overflowing of all the things that we desire in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.